Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 132. Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured, and how he swore an oath to the Lord, making a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard of the ark in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jair. Let's go to his dwelling place. Let's worship at his footstool. Rise up, Lord. Come to your resting place, you and your powerful ark. May your priests be clothed with righteousness, and may your faithful people shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I will teach them, their sons will also sit on your throne forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needy with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation, and its faithful people will shout for joy. There I will make a horn grow for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown he wears will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, thank you. And I thank you all for that, that gift. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. We, we certainly do love you guys. Um, I really do feel like our church is a family. Um, and that's, that's what the Bible describes church as, right? Church is not about a, a performance or an event. It's about the fact that Jesus brings all these different kinds of people together, people who would know, not, not for any other natural reason, be friends, but have been brought together uh, because he saves them. And um, so I just, I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I'm glad you're here. A lot of y'all are wondering, what in the world does what Sarah just read have to do with Christmas, right? You're like, that's not the story. So we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it, all right? Um, I'm actually really excited to explain uh, this psalm to you. In a lot of ways, the Christian life is a journey. One of the most popular books describing the Christian life was written by a man named John Bunyan, and it was called A Pilgrim's Progress, and he envisioned the Christian life as a journey, a journey on the way to the eternal city, a journey on the way to the joy of heaven. And the reality is, if you take a journey, particularly if you were taking a journey back in this day, it would be a hard journey. Do we journey towards our heavenly city through a land of hardship and exile, of pain and frustration? See, the psalm that we're looking at today, if you were to look at it in the the Bible on the top, it would say a song of ascent. What that means is this is a song that travelers to Jerusalem for for, for festivals, travelers, they would sing as they were on their way to Jerusalem. Now, again... I don't know what you think about when you think about travel. I don't particularly like traveling now, but I'm sure I wouldn't have liked it back then. 
All right. I'm sure it would have been a struggle walking or riding some sort of animal, having to feed it, uh, walking through the elements. There would have been points on the journey when I'm sure they would have been like, are we going to get there yet? Is it worth it? This is difficult. And so they had these songs to sing, these songs to sing about what they ought to remember, songs to sing about, about how they should be encouraged as they journey towards the temple, as they journey towards God's presence. So the question I have for you today, and even for myself, is what is the song that we should sing as we journey towards God's presence? What is, what is the melody that should be in our heart as we make our way towards that heavenly city? I contend and I present to you that the songs that we should sing should be songs that remember God's faithfulness. The songs that we sing should be songs that are asking God to continue to be faithful. And the songs that we sing should be songs that receive God's faithfulness. Let's pray. Let's ask him for help. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. You said that all scripture points to you. And so, Lord, would you open up our eyes today by the Holy Spirit that we might understand your word that we would be encouraged, that we would be able to see you more clearly, and that we would have strength for the journey of this life. Lord, please do this for the sake of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So before we get into the nitty-gritty, I want to ask you a a question and then answer it, because that's what you do when you preach. Uh, The first question is, how is it do we read and interpret the Psalms? How do we read, and matter of fact, how do we read and interpret a lot of things in the Old Testament? Have you ever read the Bible and been confused? Don't lie. All right, okay, listen, let, let's be honest. Sometimes, sometimes things are not as clear. All right, so I'm going to give you a little, little precursor about how do we approach the Psalms as a Christian, as a church. The Bible says that all scriptures point to Jesus. Okay, that's what, what he says in Luke 24. And Jesus explains to the disciples, he says, says, from the law and the prophets, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, it all points to him. And so in some way, in some manner, the Psalms themselves point to Jesus. In fact, some of the Psalms are even the prayers of Jesus. If you remember when Jesus was crucified and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the first, psalm, first verse of Psalm 22. That when we look at the, the prayers of the psalm, sometimes the psalmist will say, I am righteous and I have an upright heart and, and my hands are clean. And I'm reading that psalm like, I don't know if that's me. <laughs> Beloved, that's Jesus. He is the one singing these psalms. That, that, that they are his prayers. And not only that, some psalms, they point to different aspects of the life and work of Jesus. So in that same psalm, in Psalm 22, he says on down in the psalm, it says that they pierce my hands and my feet. Now, we don't read nothing about David's hands getting pierced, but we do know one whose hands and feet were pierced. And so since Christians are united to Jesus, since we are joined to his family, the prayers of the psalms are our prayers. Jesus is so gracious that that everything that is his, he shares with us. He has access to the Father, so do we. He is seen as holy, so are we. He has purchased for us all these things. And so these psalms, though they're written in a different time, in a different place, in a different situation, these psalms are prayers for us. They're prayers 
for the church. These are our songs to sing when we see them through the lens of Christ. And this particular song is a song to sing on the journey towards the city of God. Now, we're not on a journey to an earthly Jerusalem. We're on a journey towards the heavenly Jerusalem. The place where Jesus will fully rule and reign. And so what can we learn from this song about the types of songs we should sing as we journey towards the city of God? Number one, we should sing songs that remember God's faithfulness. In verse one, it says, Lord, remember David, all the hardships he endured and how he swore an oath to the Lord, making a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. We heard of the ark. I ain't gonna say that word. We found it in the fields of J.R. Let's go to his dwelling place. Let's worship at his footstool. Listen, when we're looking at the context of these people, they were on the way to God's house. And as they were on the way to God's house, they were remembering the hardships of their father, David. And when we think about the hardships of King David, before he became a king, he had the hardships of being overlooked by his own father. He had to flee for his life multiple times under the wicked king Saul. He had to fight multiple battles defending God's people. His life was not a walk in the park. And even though his life was not a walk in the park, they remember that even in the midst of his trials, he says that that there's this passion that David had to build God's house. He didn't simply want a kingly palace for himself. He wanted God to have a dwelling place, a meeting place with his people. They also remember the stories in the Old Testament about, about the ark. Now, now, what the ark is, I want you to imagine a big seat, kind of like a piano seat. You know, when you have a piano seat, you open it and there's something in there. So imagine a big throne, and then in there is, is the, 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 the Ten Commandments. But it, what it represented to the people of God is it represented God's throne. It represented God's throne. And they wanted God's presence to be with them as represented by God's throne being with them. But these different stories that are coming to mind when, when the, the ark was, was in these places that weren't in Israel, they were, they, were, they were talking about the fact that God's throne, his ark, was stolen and placed behind enemy lines. But yet God miraculously brought it back. They remember God's house was built even through struggle, and they seek to worship God there. See, David's son, Solomon, built the temple on behalf of David. They are commemorating God's faithfulness to David and his people. And you're like, what does that have to do with me? I'm glad you asked. Christians on the way to the eternal city of God remember the hardships of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Listen, when when the angel appeared to Mary announcing that she was was going to give birth to Jesus, it says this in Luke 1, it says, Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Listen to this, y'all. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. David. See, Jesus is this descendant of David that that inherits the promises that God gave to David. See, Christmas is certainly a time to remember the hardships of Jesus, is it not? 
The hardships of David might not have much to do with us, but the hardships of Jesus have much to do. And, and one of my, my favorite songs, it, it talks about the birth of Jesus, and it says, there's no doctors around, no spot could be found to give birth to a child. The only option in town was to be born in a feeding trough with breeding cows and feces piles. The scene was found. Beloved, his hardship began the day that he was born. We, we remember that his hardship was not for himself. His hardship was for our salvation. We remember that the passion that Jesus had to reconcile us to God and to make us God's dwelling place. How after he was born, he lived a perfectly obedient life so that he would be a righteous substitute for us. We remember the struggle that Jesus had to get us connected with the Father. How he endured a mock trial. How he took the beatings that would give us healing. How he was crucified on that cross. We remember that Jesus accomplished our redemption and reconciliation. See, Christ rose from the dead to forgive us and to bring us to God. So as we're journeying through this, this, this journey of life, that should be the song that we sing. There might be times when you're questioning the faithfulness of God because of the situation, maybe the, the leg of the journey that you're on right now. But here's what the scriptures say to you. Remember Jesus. Remember his suffering. Remember what he has done for you. Remember that he has connected you to the Father. Remember that he has taken care of your sin. See, when I remember the faithfulness of God in Christ, it gives me encouragement to walk through parts of the journey that are difficult. And I'm like, I don't know where he is right now, but I can look back and I can remember that he has been faithful to me. Those are the songs that we should sing. How much joy of the journey of life do we leave because we do not sing his songs of faithfulness? We allow ourselves to be clouded with the hardships of life that we are enduring right now without remembering and looking in the past and going, my biggest need, the forgiveness of sins, my biggest need to be connected with God has been taken care of through the hardships of Jesus Christ. If he is faithful back then, surely will he not be faithful today? Not only do we sing songs of his faithfulness, we sing songs that ask God to continue to be faithful. In verse 8, it says, rise up, Lord, come to your resting place, you and your powerful ark. May your priests be clothed with righteousness, and may your faithful people shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath, oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. Your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I will teach them. Their sons will also sit on your throne forever. So as they're journeying, as the people of Israel are journeying towards Jerusalem, they're asking God to meet them there. This journey is hard, it's difficult, but if you're there, Lord, it's worth it. They ask God to give them holy leaders and joyous hearts. They base their, their asking, they base this on God's promise to David. And that's something that we need to hear in this. They weren't saying... God, can you help me because I'm cool? Or can you help me because I'm so great? They said, God, can you help me because you made a promise? They based their petitions 
on a promise, not on if they were doing well that day or if they were obeying God's laws that day. They said, no, no, God, you made a promise to David. You made a promise to our people. So because you made a promise, I'm going to be bold enough to ask you these things. See, God promised to be faithful to David's, David and his descendants to bless his people. God promised, God's promise gave them courage to approach God and ask for his blessings. Again, what does that have to do with you? Beloved, we can ask the Lord Jesus to be with us on this journey of life. What's crazy is, is we actually don't have to wait till the end to experience the presence of God. That as we journey through this life, because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, we can say, Lord, will you be with me? Lord, would you, would you draw near to me? Lord, would you help me to endure? Lord, would you give me strength in this difficult moment? You know, when I think, look back on my life, some of my most difficult memories are tinged with a hint of joy because God was with me. I distinctly remember it was around this time. I think I was around, it was, it was, it was around college, and I, I went to go visit somebody in the hospital. And I remember standing outside of the Greenville Memorial Hospital and just, just feeling the weight of whom I visited and then the weight of life and just feeling just, just, just all of this, this, this sadness of this world. And then a song came to my mind, an old hymn that says, He walks with me. And he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. I thought, even though the problems are still real, the difficulties are still there. God, who is my helper, is with me. Beloved, if he's with me on this journey, I can endure. If he's with me on this journey, I can continue to walk. And not only do we experience his presence on this journey of life, we will experience him fully in that heavenly city. We can experience God's presence. We can ask for God's faithfulness to us and his people. Here's the craziest thing about asking God to be faithful. You're like, God, you said you would do that thing. Can you do it? <laughs> now, I got some kids. When I tell them that I'm going to do something, best believe, <laughs> best believe they're going to remind me. <laughs> and then, I'm go then in my mind, I'm like, well... I did say that. <laughs> I did say I would. Okay, I better. Listen, listen. When God says, I promise to be with you. When God says, I promise to be with the church. Then I promise to lead you and give you what you need. You can say, God, you said this. You gave this promise. Therefore, I'm going to ask you with full confidence that you will answer me because this is what you have promised. Beloved, we can ask God for holy leaders and joyous hearts. We can ask God to lead us and feed us in the church. We can ask God to be our refuge of strength and joy as we journey towards this heavenly city. Why? We can ask this because Jesus is the faithful son of David who rules over us and protects us. If you remember that promise from the psalm, he says, if your sons keep my covenant and my decrees, I will teach them and their sons will sit on your throne forever. I don't know if y'all know this, but if you begin to read through the Bible stories about David's sons, it is not pretty. They don't obey the Lord. They don't keep his covenant. 
And it'd be real easy to be like, y'all, look, look, look at you, David's sons, but look, we don't either. <laughs> we, don't, we don't always obey the Lord. We don't always do what's right. We don't always follow our God-given conscience. But there has been one son of David. His name is Jesus. And he was the one who succeeded at every point of obedience in his life. And because of that, God rewards him. But he doesn't just keep that reward. Jesus, our king, shares the rewards of his faithfulness with us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, For every one of God's promises is yes in Christ. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. What he's saying is this, is that God in Christ promises to be with us, so he will be with us. God in Christ promises to give us strength, so he will give us strength. God in Christ promises us joy, and he will give us joy. Beloved, all those promises that you see in the scriptures, all those things that you would hope that God would do for you, you can have an assurance that he will because of what Jesus has done, what he has accomplished, his obedience, his sacrifice, his resurrection. I can go to God boldly because of what Jesus has secured for me. So we sing songs asking God to be faithful. And here's the deal, not wondering if he will be faithful or not, but going, well, you said that you gave promises to Jesus and he has has fulfilled the law in my place. He has been obedient when I have not been obedient. He died on the cross when I should have died. Therefore, I can go to you having full confidence. And listen, if your confidence is on yourself, you're going to have a real shaky one. Because some days you got good days and some days you don't. But if my confidence is in Jesus, the one who never fails, then I can go to the throne of God with great boldness. Not only do we sing songs that ask for his faithfulness, we sing songs to receive God's faithfulness. In this psalm, there's a, there's a change in who's speaking. In the first part of the psalm, it's people speaking, but in the latter part of the psalm, it's God answering. In verse 13, it says, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needy with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation, and its faithful people will shout for joy. There I will make a horn grow for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. As the people are journeying towards the city of God, they are reflecting on the promises of God and receiving his faithfulness. Though that journey may be hard, they are remembering, well, God said he would be with us. As they're journeying, they remember, God said he would provide for us. As they're journeying, they remember, God said he will give us joy. As they're journeying, they are remembering that God promises to expand the descendant of David's influence. That's what that, the, the probably the most confusing part of the psalm is, what, what does this horn grow? What does that mean? It just means that, that the power of David's son will, uh, will increase and his influence will extend. That God will vindicate David and his descendants and his people. And you're like, again, what does that have to do with me? We receive God's promise to be with us through Christ. Did not Jesus promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Here's the craziest thing. I don't know if you've noticed this before. 
as I sing songs about God's faithfulness and his nearness, I actually begin to feel it. Has that happened to you before? We were singing about God. He's like, oh, he's here. You know, like like as you're singing about God's faithfulness, he surrounds you with the presence of his his spirit. And, And you have a little bit more than hope. You have a foretaste of that experience. As we sing songs about God's faithfulness, he delivers that faithfulness to us. We receive God's promise to provide for us in Christ. Listen, Jesus has taken care of our greatest need. You know, in in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you my translation. You are blessed when you realize you ain't got what you need. When you realize, you look at your spiritual life and go, I'm spiritually bankrupt. I ain't got the stuff to buy the stuff. I'm poor. I, and then you confess that to Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't have to worry about that. I have purchased your way. I've given you everything that you need. I've given you forgiveness of sins and life with God. Listen, we receive God's promise to provide for us in Christ. And not only that, in Philippians 4.19, it says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He provides for our greatest needs spiritually. But he does provide, does he not? He provides for us. And we experience the promise of the influence of Christ being expanded. Here's the craziest thing. The way that we experience that promise, you see a little bit of it today. When you look around here. That when Christ's influence is expanded, his family gets bigger. When Christ's influence is expanded, people that we didn't know were going to be our brothers and sisters become family. I look around and I see the generous influence of Christ. He turns people who didn't care about him to people who love him. And he turns people who were self-centered and really only really cared about themselves and says, no, I want you to love others as I have loved you. We can see the influence of Christ spreading even here. That is a way that we receive the faithfulness of God. In that last verse, we remember that Jesus clothed his enemies in shame by enduring shame himself. In verse 18, it says, I will close his enemies. That's the descendant of David. I will close his, his, his enemies with shame, but the crown he wears will be glorious. That's so interesting because the way that Jesus shames his enemies is unlike any other. He shames his enemies by enduring shame. He was born in a manger, lived a humble life, preached and healed in the midst of great opposition, was given a false trial, was beaten and hung on the cross. Yet through his shame, Satan was put to shame. Listen, listen. What Satan does is he accuses you. He says, you ain't, you ain't nobody. You haven't obeyed God. You're horrible. You're this. You're that. Listen, all those accusations, Jesus takes them for you on the cross. Through his shame, through his shame, sin is put to shame. Sometimes our sins weigh on us just like like a heavy weight that drags us down. But beloved, you don't have to carry that weight. 
that weight has been placed on Christ on the cross. In his shame, sin was put to shame. And not only that, through his shame, death was put to shame. Because he died on the cross and rose again, we don't have to be afraid. Because he rose again, he has, has, has forged a path for us to follow. He died a shameful death so that we could live a resurrected life with him for eternity. Through his shame, through his shame, he defeated our enemies. And then it says that the crown he wears will be glorious. He didn't stay in that shameful position. He resurrected. He ascended into heaven, and he reigns forever. And he will come back to destroy evil and give his people unfettered access to God's presence. Beloved, what, what I want to tell you is, is here's one thing that I, I, feel, I feel like there's sometimes when I'm preaching, I'm like, I talk about suffering a lot. But, but one of the reasons I talk about suffering is because I'm a pastor. And I know y'all. <laughs> I know the hardships of this life. I've experienced it, and I get to see it, and it is painful. But, beloved, even though we might walk through some dark times, we have a song. Even though we might not, not know exactly what's going on in our present circumstances, we can sing songs about God's faithfulness and receive that faithfulness in the middle of it. So my question to you is, is this, is this, if you're in here and you, and you don't know Christ, what song do you have to sing? When your life is confusing, when dark clouds surround you, what song do you sing? Where do you find hope? How do you know it'll be okay in the end? Because Jesus offers that to you. You can receive the faithful love of God and be assured of the destination of your journey when you put your trust in Christ, saying, I trust you, I believe that you lived, died, and rose, and I will receive your faithfulness. And even though I might be in a valley or in a dark side of the mountain, I can sing about your faithfulness because I know where I'm going and I know you will walk with me. And for those who, who follow Christ, I, I just got a really clear, clear and simple way of application. I just want you to sing songs to Jesus. Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There's an old saying, an old saying in the church. It says, he who sings prays twice. I, I just like to be real with y'all. There was a couple weeks ago when I, when I just, I, I went through a low point. I was just feeling really down. And I had a day off, and on my day off, I fold clothes. I don't know, it's just what I do. All right, so I was folding some clothes, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to play some music. I'm going to play some songs about Jesus. I'm going to play some songs that remind me about what he has done that remind me that he's still present with me, that remind me of where I am going. And as I did that simple act of folding clothes and singing songs about Jesus, I felt his presence. I felt him lift me up. 
I felt him providing for what I needed. And the confusion that was clouding my mind began to lift. And I began to rejoice in what Christ has done. There is so much grace to be given in this simple practice. And what's crazy is we got it, we got it way better than people in the past. Listen, you don't even got to memorize a song. You got a phone. <laughs> if you wanted to sing a song, you better memorize it on Sunday. No, no, you can just pull up, you can pull up YouTube, pull up Spotify, and you can find some songs that remind you about God's faithfulness that can be a, a lighthouse in the darkness of this world. See, we should sing songs about his faithfulness and sing songs of prayer that he will continue to be faithful and sing songs as a means of receiving that faithfulness. That's, that's one of the interesting things. Whenever I think about Christ, Christmas and whatever you think about Christmas, one of the things that comes to your mind is songs. Songs that are reminding you, encouraging you, and giving you strength. I remember what he did. I know he's with me now. I remember what he will do. So let's be a people that sing confidently to the Lord, that receive his faithfulness. People that sing as we journey through this life so that we are reminded of and experience God's goodness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word and how you said all of it points to you. I thank you, Lord, that that your songs have become our songs. That we can sing about your faithfulness and your love and your grace to us. And that as we sing, you can be present with us. Lord, I just, I pray specifically for anyone who is here who is um, just under a dark cloud of depression. Lord, I pray that they would feel the warmth of your presence. That, that they would feel the, the, the light of your grace in their hearts. That they would remember that you are near the brokenhearted and that you save the one who is crushed in spirit. Lord, there is no God like you. None who draws near and shares our pain. None who bears our burdens. None who walks with us. None who promises us a sure and certain future. And for that, we praise you. Help us to be people that sing and receive your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.